You're listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.us or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. It's because people are, it doesn't, it doesn't just show up on accident, right? We're intentionally like, you can love us. We believe that your love is everything. We believe your love transforms, your love empowers, your love is the big deal. We're not moving on from love. Like it's, it's it. It's not like the message you preach a couple times a year and hope that, you know, we're like, we're just, yeah, we love God and, you know, it's a great thing to say and put it on a bumper sticker, a t-shirt and Jesus loves you. But it's, it's so much deeper than just words. It's, there's an experiential knowledge of the love of the Father. That, and what it does is it transforms the, the person that we were. It actually, he's loved me to death, right? He li- literally loved, loved me to death, loved every bit of the, the hell that was in me out of me. He loved e- all of the old person. That crucified with Christ, that Galatians 2.20, it becomes, you know, the crucifixion didn't have to happen again every time somebody gets saved. And so the amazing reality of the gospel is that when I am accepting Jesus, I'm not just saying a prayer, but I'm getting born again and I'm born into a new nature. But that, that old man has to, has to die, but it's not my job to kill him. <laughs> Isn't that great? it's not it I for so long turned it into work that I had to work hard to become someone that he already said is on the other side it's like here here I was before his love even though he loved me I wasn't allowing him to love me I was running from his love and then we know that because of the word of God shows us that the spirit of God draws people to God. It's the only way that we know that Jesus, that's the only way we can accept Jesus, right? It's like, he does it all. <laughs> He's just that good. He gives us the faith. He draws us to him. He opens our eyes to truth. And then the moment we say, yes, this old person is, gets loved into this totally new man or new woman. In these moments like this, I'm watching, I'm looking at, at Candace. She's a, a new, she's a new woman. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm looking around the room. I look at, at Joe and Anna and, and Katie and, you know what I mean, and <laughs> I look at Isabella. She's just uh, out of the whole team. She's obviously the youngest, just, you know, graduated high school and getting ready to go off to ministry school. I'm watching generations of people being changed by love. And that's why I don't want to leave moments like this. I don't want to, I, I, I will never, I will never replace uh, his presence with professionalism because it's supposed to look a certain way in a church service. I just don't care that much about what people think in a good way and not in an arrogant or, or being rude or, or unkind or disrespectful. But I just don't want it to look like an American church in, in some ways that I've let it look like before. That we just need to get on to the next thing, right? Just, this is where we do announcements, and this is how we, you know, this is where we do offering. And so let's, I know all that can be important, right? I'm not, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm just saying that there's nothing that's more important than the moments like this where his love 
is really, it's, it's, it's intensifying. It's getting, strong, it's getting stronger. When we embrace His love, we make, we make Him priority. And we say, we just want you to love, we, we just say, here we are for you to love us. When we realize that's the big deal. When we, re- we realize, <laughs> when we realize that that's the big deal. That Him loving me, it, it, it meets all the requirements for me becoming whole. That, 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 is, that is the big deal. And today I, I get to honor, uh, and it's going to be emotional for some of you. It's going to be emotional for me. It's going to be more emotional for some. But I get to honor a great man that I believe set the example. And for moments like this, ultimately Jesus' life was given for it all, right? But there's people that go on before us, that give their lives, that lay down their lives for the sake of the gospel. And their lives also, Jesus' life, he said, there's, unless a seed falls in the ground and dies, it does not produce fruit. And then there's others that go on before us, that they lay down their life, and then another life goes, becomes a seed. And it's the ultimate, it comes from the main seed, which was Jesus. And it creates a harvest. It brings in the, in the harvest. It happens generationally. And so, I, I, I mean, today is, is when Dad, when, when Rich, my first spiritual father, and then became my, my father-in-law, and, and my greatest example of what faith looks like, of what it looks like to, to really let love, Jesus love you, love you to death, right? And not in the literal sense, but in the way that his life demonstrated that he wasn't moved by external circumstances, not when I, not with the time I got to know him. I know it was a process of, of mom and dad walking out faith over, over decades of life, right? And it's, but his life, when I got to know him, he had, he had already been in, they had been in a battle of, for cancer. And so I'm celebrating his life today because it was seven, seven, seven years ago today, seven years ago today that he met Jesus. He went, he, he, he crossed the finish line, he, he, you know, it's the, it's the main goal, ultimate goal. It's not what I'm focused on while I'm here, but it is, it's my, it's my destination. It's my destination. It, it, it's not my assignment, but it's, it is my destination. And, and he showed me what it looked like. He'd, they'd been in a battle with cancer for, for years, and, and I watched his life. And I didn't have, you know, I, I'm just like, you guys know my story. I'm just a, a couple years old. and it was, I was barely just had been saved when I, when I met them. And they were sending me all this literature, you know, and all this good, solid faith teaching, declaration teaching, the power of God is real. All that stuff became my foundation. And then, but who knows that there's no, no better teaching than example of somebody's life. And that's, you know, what Paul writes to several of the churches, and he's like, you saw my example. You, while I was there, you, you saw my life. I want you to, that's why I'm able. It gave him authority to write. I mean, I know God gave him authority, but it gave him authority, in a sense, for them to, to turn their attention to, okay, we remember Paul's example, and this is what we're going to, this is what we're going to live by. This is what he's teaching us. He's sending us these letters as a reminder of what he was teaching us while while he was here with his life. And dad, Rich, he taught me 
by his life what it looked like to live by, to live by faith. And I want to read a couple, a couple of scriptures. Thank you so much for the Kleenex. I want to read a couple of scriptures out of the Passion Translation. And, and I, I'm, not, I'm not going to move probably from this position for a few more moments because my legs are, uh, are not working as much as I'd like them to. 1 John 4, 16 says this, We have come into an intimate experience with God's love, and we trust in the love He has for us. God is love. God is love. He is, He's love. It's not part of His nature. It's not an attribute of His nature. It's actually who He is. You know, like when it says that we are sons and daughters, that becomes our identity, right? It's, it's our new nature. It's the whole thing is wrapped up in sonship. The whole thing is wrapped up in sonship. His whole nature is wrapped up in the fact that he is love. That's, that's why he, he never does anything that violates, violates love. Never does anything that violates love. It's a good way for me to know whether or not something is him or not. Does it violate love? Not the kind of love that, that I am able to give in my own strength. Not the kind of love like, I love this new shirt. <laughs> I love most kinds of pie. <laughs> not all, but most. If it has fruit in it. I probably love it. That's like, it's, it's saying that I really like this. I really enjoy this. You know, this is really great. God's love is the agape, the unconditional love that actually expects nothing in return. Nothing in return. It has no strings attached to it. it lo- love loves because it loves. I know that's really profound, but he just loves because he loves because he loves because he loves because it's who he is. It's not coming from a deep place inside of him. It's just who he is. And so God is love. Those who are living in love are living in God, and God lives through them. Love never brings, hold on, I skipped something. Verse verse 17, by living in God, love has been brought to its in us so that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment because all that Jesus now is so are we in this world not everything that Jesus was before the cross which was incredible many times I've thought I needed to attain to the ministry of Jesus while he was on on the earth but this scripture points to, and you can read it in any translation you want to, look it up in the Greek and trace it back, look in your Thayer's uh, Greek lexicon in, in your Bible dictionary and study that out and you'll see that it means that we are as Jesus is now. That's why it says we're co-resurrected with him. It, it was, means we're like him after the resurrection. That's good news. We are seated with him, Ephesians 2, 6, in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. (laughs) Love made that possible. And so he's saying that we are living when when the moment that you and I say yes to Jesus. Because like the gospel 
of John, John himself, when you read 1 John 4, it's, it seems as if it's very straightforward and very no-nonsense, which I, is why I love it, but it doesn't beat around the bush. It's like, and it can almost seem incredibly harsh. Like, if you're not loving, then you're not in God. But, but picture, picture this. It, he is pointing us to the nature that we were created in, and, and what if he was saying is that when I am not expressing the fullness of love through my life, it's because I am not allowing myself to be fully loved in this moment. The moment that I'm never the moment that I was talking about never leaving in worship. I wasn't talking about never leaving the stage, even though I was surprised some of you were able to. <laughs> And I was going to encourage you to stay in those moments. Don't rush out of those moments. Don't get up from the altar. Don't get up from the stage because we're going to start teaching or preaching or doing any of that. Don't ever move because of any other reason than him saying, okay, you, can, you should get up now. Because there's things that are happening in those moments that he's loving. Those moments are allowing love to go into parts of us that need love to Loved to death or loved back to life, however you'd like to put it. But those, it's, it's creating the whole person in us. Spirit, body, sp- or I'm sorry, body, uh, spirit, soul. Spirit, soul, body. However you want to say it, they're all in there. <laughs> because being like Jesus as he is, because it doesn't say you will be. It doesn't say you're going to be. It doesn't say one day you'll attain to. It says that as he is now, we are in this world. So John is pointing us to a truth and a reality that he lived out of in his lifetime. It's why his gospel looks so different from everybody. Have you, you've read John. I know if, if somebody that got, you know, led you to Jesus probably led you to the gospel of John. I'm reluctant to lead people to the gospel of John because it's so prophetic, even though that was what evangelism taught me. Have them read John, and I read John, I'm like, man, that's going to be like, it's almost mind-boggling to read the first chapter of John, even though it's, it's so prophetic. I mean, he starts out with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And you're like, whoa, that was verse 1. <laughs> you're like, you want me to start my Christian life off with this? <laughs> So you do want my head to explode. <laughs> That's what it is. I know you said that, I, that Jesus killed the old man. I didn't know that it was going to be by this first verse in the Gospel of John that I died <laughs> from overload. It's like, it, 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 I mean, his Gospel is, have you ever wondered that? Why it's so different from everybody else's. There's three or four times, I forget, but at least three in the Gospel of John, where John says, I'm, I'm the one who, Jesus, or he speaks of himself in the third person. I, I've never liked it when somebody speaks of themselves of the third person when they call themselves by name. But it was okay when I read John, John doing it because he said, the one whom Jesus loves. He's the one, he was the youngest disciple. He was the one that Jesus entrusted his mom to. He had no experience at taking care of somebody at this point, to our knowledge. He's the, the youngest one, the least likely candidate to be trusted with Jesus' mom. 
it's a, it's a pretty big deal, right? Like, take care of my mom. This is, you know, he had, he had made the assignment at, at the cross. One of the greatest privileges there were. The youngest one. And he gets this revelation that he's the one whom Jesus loves. It is the greatest revelation that can happen in the kingdom. Is I'm the one whom he loves. Because it does, because when we say it in a natural context, when we say it according to the world's standards, that statement becomes self-centered and selfish. It becomes all about me. But in the kingdom, everything's flipped upside down. And then with that statement, in, with kingdom thinking inside of the kingdom realm, actually kills selfishness and self-centeredness in creates in me the wholeness that Jesus planned for each one of us and it becomes completely selfless and all about everybody else because that's the way love operates. It's unconditional. It's not determined on circumstances or situations, how my day's going, how much they're paying me at my job, how well my relationship is, all those things. Love does is not Dependent on any of those. God's love never changes even when I have a bad attitude, right? <laughs> even It doesn't matter. Early on in Christianity when I still, you know, I still, you know, I wasn't fighting, but I wanted to, I wanted to fight people still. <laughs> I got that mad. It, but the reason that I got that mad still, that I was that angry, and this could help somebody, that if anger is, is right here at the surface, if anger's right here and something sets you off that's little and probably insignificant, there's a reason why anger is already there. There's a reason why you got that mad about something that in the grand scheme of things means nothing, right? Because, you know, your, your food wasn't hot when you got it, and you, it, you go off. Like, you know what I mean? Somebody cuts you off in traffic and you freak out. Like, that's, that's, not, that's not normal. It's okay to get, I, I, I believe... At some level, you can, you know, if you get perturbed a little bit or, you know what I mean, you're like a little aggravated, that's, unfortunately, that's normal according to human standards. But it's not, accord, it's not according to the standard of love. And I'm still, you know, right? Like I'm still, some days in traffic, now I'm amazed. I love people and I'm like, yes, they cut me off. I'm like, I just love them, Jesus. I just release love on them. And I mean it. Not because I'm trying to fight back some urge or, you know, there's an internal battle. It's because there's, you know, he's, he's love, loving me into, into everything that I was predestined to be. But there's other days when it's still, you know, when I've, I've gotten a rush, I've gotten a hurry, and, and then I'm, I'm trying to make it somewhere, you know, quickly, and then you get a little aggravated, you know, and you're like, oh. And, but first thing that comes to mind now is that's not actually part of who I am. But before, early on in Christianity, it, that stuff made me, you know, I, 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 I'll be vulnerable just for the rest of you. But there, there's times, you know, I'd flip somebody off in traffic before it got that mad. Whether you do it in your head or you physically do it, it's the same thing. <laughs> Don't, don't be like, well, I'd never do that. And then you... Know, 
but you thought worse things. <laughs> Come on. That we can be real. <laughs> I know we got to wear masks in stores, but we ain't got to wear them in here. <laughs> and I know that we've all grown past that, but growing up in the Lord, we realize that some of those immature things, because that's everything that is not pure love comes from a place of immaturity. And that stems from hurt and, and different things. There's a lot that goes into that that I don't have time to talk about. But I realized when anger was this high inside of me and I would snap off. But Lindsay and I, it was, a, it was an inner healing session that changed my life. It was right before we planted the church. All right? It was right around this time of, of dad going home to be with Jesus. You know, in that moment, he had fought long, he'd fought hard, they'd prayed, they declared. And his example of what I, I am convinced, and nobody can convince me otherwise, is that that man of God knew the love of the Father for him. And that's what he lived out of. That's why he didn't complain, that's why he didn't lose faith, that's why he was immovable and unshakable. When it came to the doctor's report, and the things that he faced, the things that he felt, and the way things looked... Right, what the monitors were reading, what they were telling him, all the stuff that was going on. He was immovable and shakable because he knew how much he was loved. That's why he was able to be the greatest example that I've ever had of what faith, what faith looks like. That's, that's why there's so many other things that happen in Christian, in Christian lives of other people that I've looked at that don't make sense to me. They don't make sense to me because the example that I had was the one that Jesus had set through, through dad. And his life became a seed that is bearing fruit to this day. Right? Same with Brian's. Their lives became seeds. But, da but dad's life, that's why it's in the entryway. With that picture that says, let me, let me read it just because. We, we hung it there in... Um, because we dedicated our healing center to, to dad. Because Lindsay and I had to, you know, we had to work through some things before we were going to start a healing center. And you guys, a lot of you have heard that story. Because it wasn't just going to be that, that easy to just do it. There were things that needed to be loved up out of us and, and some things that, you know, we both went and got. Now, this is what I'm not saying I'm not saying if you've got the anger I was talking about or the hurt or any of that stuff, I'm not saying just work it out by yourself with Jesus, even though he can do that. I'm saying go to others that are going to love you into wholeness. But not others that are going to enable you or just give you sympathy. Because not, neither one of those things, sympathy does not change people. It looks incredibly spiritual in moments, but me feeling sorry for you won't help you. Me having compassion for you will. Because that's what Jesus births on the inside of us. It's part of our new nature. And so this is what the, it, it says. It's got dad's, dad's picture. And it says, Our Revive the World Healing Center is dedicated in loving memory of Richard E. Cannon. who, choosing to live in faith rather than die in unbelief, helped pave the way for others to receive their miracle. 
<clears throat> there are things that we, don't, we won't get to see in our lifetime that we're believing for. <clears throat> things like this. All right? <laughs> and, and after we're able to let lo God love us into, into a, a deeper place of wholeness through this situation, it doesn't mean that we, you know, obviously we still cry, we still miss Him, all those things. That's, the, that's just the reality of, of somebody going on before you. <clears throat> but it brings us great comfort that we don't mourn like others mourn because we have hope. <laughs> we have hope that we're going to spend all of eternity with our loved ones. I mean, that's, that's heaven's reality. <laughs> this time here on earth is, is short. Sorry for the uh, funeral message, but uh, our celebration of life is like we like to call it. But I haven't been to a celebration of life where anybody had got the memo yet. That it was a celebration of life. <clears throat> it's just, too, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, it's too, the struggle between missing somebody and realizing the reality that I will spend all of eternity with you in this short, however, 60, 70, 80, hopefully 120 years that I get here, <clears throat> is going to be gone quickly. Eternity is, I, I don't know exactly how long eternity is, but I, I'm under the impression it's a very long time. His example looked like Jesus to me, which drew me into everything that we're, we've been walking in or are growing into. <clears throat> His life is producing fruit now to this day and will produce it until Jesus comes back because of he would rather, rather die in faith than, than live in unbelief. What's the, what's the greatest thing that I can believe? In Jesus, right? But directly tied to the revelation that Jesus is the Savior of the world, that He's the only way, there's no other way but through Jesus. I didn't say it, He did. Like He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Period. It's a sealed deal, done. That's it. I didn't... <clears throat> that upsets people and other religions and all those things. That not, it's not a shot to anybody. It's just the, it's just the Bible. It's what we've come to know, know the truth. And knowing the truth isn't just knowing words on a paper. It's intimately knowing the one who is truth. <sighs> who is truth. Who is love. <clears throat> and the, the revelation of, of, that he opens our eyes to of knowing that he is Lord and Savior. Is directly tied to the revelation that he loves me. They're one and the same. They're, they're one and the same because, because love sent him to the cross. Love laid down his life on the cross. Love resurrected him from the grave. Love brought him, ascended him to heaven. Love sent the Holy Spirit in his place. Love brought us into the fullness of who Jesus is now in heaven. He's already on the inside of us. The fullness of Jesus is in here. The resurrected Jesus lives on the inside of us. The fullness of Jesus is inside of each one of us. And this is the greatest calling, the main assignment of all Christians is to look like He is now as the resurrected Jesus. Which is inside of the nature of, of love. <clears throat> and so if you ever wondered how did John write this? He's the only one that wrote God is love. 
He said it two, three times, I believe, in this chapter. God is love. He could have said it once. There were lots of things that were said once. He said it three times. At least the amount of times that he said, I'm the one whom Jesus loves. I don't believe there's any prophetic meaning to that. I believe that it was just the way God wanted it to be. <clears throat> he wanted it written out that way. But this is what I see in the Gospel of John. John's life looked different from all the other disciples. It's the way Dad's life looked to me. It looked different than anybody I'd ever seen. It didn't make sense to doctors or nurses. It didn't make sense to family members and loved ones and friends. It didn't make sense to other people. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. I, I remember this was when I was still growing in the Lord. Almost, I, <laughs> It took everything in me to, to not... Uh, give the fivefold ministry to this doctor that <laughs> which ended up giving his life to Jesus because of of, of dad's example um, <clears throat> was he was he buddhist or was he he was from india yeah um, <clears throat> he didn't believe in Jesus we'll just say that <clears throat> but before he died he did but i remember in the house, in in the waiting room we were sitting out there there was a few of us sitting around i believe I believe Kevin was out there, and I don't know if Tom was there. I don't, know if we're, I don't think you were. Were you there? Were you sitting there too? And uh, I think, were we at IU? We were at Community? Okay, yeah, we had to have been because, yeah, Dr. V. So, and, and he is, we're, we're talking to him, and we're like basically letting him know, we, you know, we understand your report, and it doesn't look good, and we should just, basically saying you should just let him go, just let him, just let him, let him go, right? But I, I just don't. I just don't see anywhere in the Bible where it tells me just to pray this prayer that says, just do what he was saying. <clears throat> I, just did, I just don't see it. I, just, I need to be able to see it in the Word. I need to be able to see it in Jesus' example. I don't need to be able to see it through, through rationale or human thinking, right? I, it's, what the world thinks, I, I can appreciate and I can honor them and I can respect them. But it doesn't mean that I'm going to live by it. Because <laughs> it's not the example that was set for me. It's not the example that Jesus set. And it's not what love looks like. Because <clears throat> love doesn't make sense to my human mind. That's why I'm glad he's loving me out of my mind. <laughs> and so I don't mind looking out of my mind to others. Because as long as the fruit of my life is perfect love, then oh, it'll speak louder than any argument that I could have. <laughs> and so this doctor is like, you know, he's, he's angry. <clears throat> he's angry, and I'm, I, I know that there was other things that were influencing him that wasn't just his, just, wasn't just in his human thinking. Uh, you know, I got a glimpse into by the Holy Spirit, what was happening, and that thing that was, you know, that ugly, nasty thing that was <clears throat> trying to get him to poke and prod at our faith, and doubt, cause us to doubt and all that, and you know, I don't know, he's, he's this big, I'm sitting down while he's kind of like peering over me, and giving me what for, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> and I'm not, I just, you know, and then I, I stand up, and then it's, you know, just really close to, like, as I said, the fivefold. Maybe it would have been the tenfold. I don't know what it took, but I was willing to <laughs> put him in a headlock and make him accept, gee, you will give your life to Jesus. 
I know that's not acceptable evangelism, but <clears throat> I remember David telling the story about Sixta pulling uh, a pistol, you know, taking the guns from the bandits and holding them at gunpoint and making them give their lives to Jesus, essentially. But <clears throat> that's not a taunt. We're not teaching that in evangelism. It just happened to be <laughs> something that happened in the, in the barrios, you know. And, <laughs> And, 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 and so I, I remember facing these, these type of things and, and, and those type of conversations with people that are more educated than you, that know more than you do about medical science and all of those things will challenge faith in a moment because faith's not rational, because love's not rational. <laughs> Siraj talked about it on Wednesday night, that there's a part of the brain that actually shuts down. Love causes to shut down that you don't even think rationally. Love will cause you to do things that others think are crazy. Now, if it causes you to stay in an unhealthy relationship, you know, and all that stuff, then we'll have a talk about it. But <laughs> we, we back up for it and, you know, and back up from it and, and uh, convene and talk and get some wisdom. But it, in this sense of going after everything that Jesus says belongs to us is exactly what we were created for because love says go after go after the one that's that's messy and messed up and broken right go after the one that that hates me and despises me and doesn't want to know me go after the one whose lifestyle may even still offend you a little bit <laughs> because you were made for this i live on the inside of you and you don't have to worry about your thinking or your love or what you can do in your strength, but I actually am on the inside of you and we're doing this. It's right, Mises, me and Jesus. <laughs> we are one. <laughs> and I know we live, you know, he lives, it's like I'm trying to still, I, I don't know, it's, it messes me up to think about that I get to be one with, with him. It's the greatest privilege that there ever could be privilege is the best word I can come up with. I'll find another one that would be a great, you know, probably score you something great in Scrabble if you, if you could get the letters for it. Something bigger and <laughs> $50 word they call them. But I'll just, until then, it's just the greatest privilege that I could ever have. Because it creates in me the wholeness that he had for every single person that he has for every single person, ever will have for every single person that ever will be on the planet. It enables me to look just like him, the greatest call that there ever was. And that's why when I look at John's life, I see this example. I see this example. Is that at the Last Supper, John is sitting you look at it in John chapter 13. He's sitting, leaning back. Again, some translations say in his bosom, right? When I first started reading the Bible, I had to look that up. I'm like, what's a... I didn't think Jesus had a bosom. I don't... What is that? I'm just being real. I used to read the Bible. You're like, I don't know, I don't know what the heck this means. <laughs> Well, I look it up, and I'm like, oh, chest. Okay, got it. He's late. But you know what? For the first several years of Christianity, that, that very thought, as a man, 
made me uncomfortable to think I would lean back up against this dude's chest that I've been, you know, hanging out with for, for three years. I've been hanging out with Joe for, now I do it now, right, because I've been changed. <laughs> but, but, you know, maybe a year ago, Joe and I had known each other three years, and, I'm, you know, we're, we've been on trips, to, you know, we've went to conferences together, and we've been wrecked together. We've, you know, just encountered God in, in life-transforming ways, and I would not have thought about leaning back against this chest at the dinner table. <laughs> We're all hanging out at a leadership meeting. I'm just laid back. I'm laid back against, somebody set me up. So I was, I'm just laid back against G, G, Joe's chest. Just, <laughs> you know, like, pass me the bread, Joe. Thanks. I'm not, we're cool, but we're just not that. I mean, I love Joe, like with everything I've got, but I'm just not that close, right? It just, the, the very, I know we are now, we're just, we'd be in a love intoxicated stupor, and really it's just, you know, it's just bodies all over the floor, just like it was. It's just, who, who cares, right? It's just. Love inebriates the human body in such a way because it's, it's meant to, uh, it, I, be, I believe it's meant to dull the human senses in a way that actually gets us in tune with our spiritual senses, which heighten the senses that we were created to have in the natural realm. That make us more in tune to the spiritual world than we are in the natural, which also causes us to be more effective in the natural world and live out of that place of love. That uh, it's like every time I'm every time I go down and they're like, why why does God do? What does that make sense? I had to do some research to find out why that happens to people. Because it made me uncomfortable. Not as uncomfortable as leaning against Joe's chest, but it made me uncomfortable. I don't know why people fell down. Because I cared so much about what people thought. That's what, that was what worried me. I thought, oh, no, they won't come back to the church. You know, they, I, I, these are all the things. If, you, if, you, you know, if any pastor watches this or you've been in ministry, these are the things that go through your mind. And we, we've had these, Lindsay and I have had these talks many times. We're like, oh, my gosh. What just happened there? That was uh, like, it was, looked like uh, a heavenly bomb exploded. Bodies strewn everywhere, right? Holy chaos. And then we found out, we're like, God, then people are getting up and their lives are being changed. We're like, look at the fruit they're producing. Look at, you know, I'm interviewing them. I'm like, hey, what happened to you while you were down? Some of you got those texts, right? <laughs> Guy and Linda, I remember too. I'm like, what happened to you while you were down? They're telling me about these encounters. That God's rewiring things, God's healing things, God's changing them. And, I'm, and, and then we're, wa- we're, we're not watching to see if it happens. It just becomes evident. You know, it isn't like you're looking at somebody's life with a microscope, but you're actually, you're like, whoa, they're different. Really different. You're like, wow, that's incredible. And then you're, 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 so you're seeing it because it's obvious. That's the way God's love was created to be through every person. Very obvious. <laughs> it's like when we are around people, we, we, the Jesus on the inside of us, the, the new nature that we have, the, the wholeness that we were created to carry, when we're around people, it's going to become more and more 
obvious to them that the Father is madly in love with them. I even believe that after today, that there are going to be people that were around, that it's going to be so obvious that He loves them, it's going to be impossible to resist His love any longer. It, it's the thing that's going to break down the walls of religion, what we were singing, the walls of tradition, uh, the holding God at a distance, the other belief systems, all those things, the arguments, the excuses, uh, all the running they've been doing, all that stuff. It's the very thing that will get rid of all of that and bring people into the, the reality that He is the one who loves me. It's it. It's the big deal. It's everything in the kingdom. Because out of that place, I become, I become the one who looks just like the resurrected Jesus. That's living from heavenly places. Living from heavenly places is not just operating, in not, not, I don't want to say just, because the prophetic is God's love language to the world. But I want to say it's not only operating the prophetic. It's not only seeing signs, wonders, and miracles. It's not only making demons leave or, or raising the dead. Those are all byproducts of the love of the Father that come out of, that come out of our new nature. It's not I need to try harder to make this happen. It's need, I just lay back into His love and realize how much He loves me. And then all of this stuff, all of this stuff, just it just begins to happen. And sometimes when I'm not even, I'm not even trying, I walked by, uh, Aureli told me, I don't know how long did it, it took you a while to tell me this testimony, but she was staying on the back wall one day. She'd had pain, severe pain, back here in, in your back. And I just walked by her and just happened to put my hand on her back and just kept on walking. There was no prayer. There was no nothing. But I believe that in that moment, there was, love was leaking, right? It's the, it's. The overflow of love, and bam, and she said, uh, instantly, I was healed of this pain. And I'm like, man, that beats praying 12 times <laughs> and hoping that it happens, right? And changing my prayer up every time. I'm not saying prayer is not important. It's vital. But it's more vital to know where it comes from than how to do a thing. Because <laughs> I've been taught to pray. But what, what would have been more, more important would have been to teach me to love. From the place of love. Not coming from my actions, but actually coming from this deep place of intimacy that caused the Apostle John to lean back against the chest of Jesus. It caused all... This is a young man. Right? It, some of us in the... We've been, right, we've been young men. How much pride... <laughs> You know, that young man, we call it in anger too, young man's anger. Lindsay, I had to explain to her what young man's anger was the other day. She's like, what's young man's anger? I'm just, I'm like, it's just a, I don't know. I think it's a testosterone thing. That, <laughs> but we didn't know Jesus, but it's just, what's one of those things. You have that young man anger and that pride that goes with it and that machoism. And here's, here's John. He's, he's, all that's gone. All the insecurity, all what people think or what people might say about me or what they may call me or what I may be labeled as or what I look like to my other bros, right? All that's gone. But why? He caught the revelation. He caught the revelation that I'm the one that Jesus loves. And dad had that revelation that he was the one that Jesus loves. 
caused him to live in faith. It is the activation of the faith that the Father deposited in us by the, by the co-resurrection that took place. That each one of us had a, a mustard seed of faith the moment that we said yes to Jesus. That he deposited in us. Look at Romans 12. For each have been dealt a measure of faith. Right? For, that's what Paul says. For the, I say through the grace of God, God has given each one of you a measure of faith faith, that I believe that when the moment that we said yes to him, that when we realize, not just say a prayer for salvation so that I can go to heaven, but the moment I realize that I've been born into love and that he is madly in love with me and I never, I was never created to leave that place, in that moment I realize the faithful one lives on the inside of me. He's standing up in me and that I never have to worry about having enough faith for anything again. You and I are full of faith because faith's not a feeling. <laughs> it comes from Jesus, and I, I'll never be without Him again. My feelings don't align with faith when I am focused on what's going on around me, and I've allowed my circumstances and my situation to get bigger because I am I am fixated on this situation. I'm fixated on the news and what's happening in the world. Stay informed. I'm not saying don't, but I'm saying when I focus there and it becomes everything to me, then it moves me. And the moment that I begin to get afraid and I begin to get moved from that place, all I need to do is I need to just shut the TV off, shut the phone off, whatever, and recollect myself and just say, here, here I am for you to love me. I can't do that too long because... <laughs> we just because in those moments my, my, my vision changes and the world's problems don't look so impossible anymore and I realized that I wasn't sent to save the world that Jesus is the savior of the world and that my responsibility is to remain in, in love because the next person that stands in front of me will get loved the way that they were created to get loved. They're going to get, they're going to get it, but not the way that we used to want to give it to them. They're going to get, they're going to get loved. They're going to get loved out of the overflow of me knowing that I am, I am loved. John had this revelation. John clearly had it because he's the one that talked about it. It's why his gospel looked, it's why his gospel was not looked, but was or is prophetic throughout the whole thing. It's why theologians don't want to include it in the synoptic gospels. Because it's so different. And I'm convinced it's because he realized this vital truth, the most important truth, which changed his perspective. Because John didn't go to the, uh, hear me when I say this, he wasn't going to the next school to find out how to prophesy and be prophetic in nature while he wrote his gospel. Go to school, become prophetic, all those things. But he realized how much he loved him, and out of that place, he's, he was naturally prophetic. It's the greatest revelation I ever got with all the, all the training, all the equipping, which I'm grateful for, all the tools None of it was more important than the truth that he loves me. Because then we started about three years ago, and I'm like, okay, you know, I just want to love people. That's it. 
I'd done all the other things. I'd been more concerned about power than love and all the things that I talked about this weekend and, and the gifts. You guys heard me talking about it several times. I was concerned about a lot of things that I wasn't concerned about love. When we stopped and started to do that, we become more prophetic. We started to see more people healed, more miracles happen. Right? And ultimately, we started to see people actually encounter, encounter love. The one who is everything that we need. And so if you would stand with me, and we're just going to take a few moments to, to allow him to love us. And I just want to speak some truth over, over us and everybody that's watching as a reminder <clears throat> that everything, this is what I'm not saying. There's, n- there's nothing outside of what you already have in you that you need. It's all there. The resurrected Jesus lives on the inside of us. You have, all, you have, the, you have the relationship that you need. You have the intimacy that, that you need. You have avail- all of it's available. In the, in the moment that you said yes to Jesus, all of it became available. All of heaven's resources. You're, you're powerfully uh, connected to the source of all of the love that each one of us will need in this lifetime. It's it. And all of the things that I still see in moments which are becoming fewer and far between that I don't love well or love unconditionally, it takes me back to that place of just, okay, I just need to uh, let him love on me some more. Let him love on me some more. Let him love on me some more. It's the empowerment of heaven. Love empowers us to look like him. So, Father, we thank you right now for empowering us by love. Yeah, Jesus, we thank you for being in the room. Thank you, Father, for being in the room. Here we are for you to love us in this moment. We thank you for loving us into wholeness in this moment. We thank you for loving us and loving everything out of us that doesn't look like Jesus. Thank you for simplifying this for us. I thank you for hugging and holding people right now. Holding them. In the warm embrace of your love. I thank you that this isn't a hug that lasts for a moment, but one that lasts for a lifetime. I thank you that we're falling in love with the one who is love. Thank you for the way that you are increasing the amount of your love that's happening in our lives, in here. It's creating an overflow of rivers of love coming out of us for our community and our region, our nation, and the nations of the world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
thank you. If you would, just begin to thank him for his love. Thank you. Father, we thank you for showing us what's most important. Thank you for loving all the false identity out of us. Thank you for loving our new nature to to light or so that we can bear the image of love every moment of our lives. I thank you, Father, for, for no condemnation and no shame, no guilt for the moments that we don't love like you do or live out of our new nature. I thank you that those moments are becoming fewer and far between for each one of us. And that those moments are just going to take us deeper in love with you, deeper in intimacy, deeper in revelation of how much you love us. We thank you from this day forward, people are going to get around us and, and be impacted by love. That every place we go, we are releasing love. Every step we take, every word that we say, every person that we get around, every, per, every place that we drive by, drive through, love is being released. We thank you that love is lighting up our neighborhoods lighting up our world. We thank you that the revelation of love is coming to your bride like never before. We thank you that we're moving from the revelation of sons and daughters into the revelation of being the bride. What it looks like to live in the, in, in the bedchamber with you. To live there, not visit there, live there. Live there. We want to live there. Thank you. Yes. 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 More, God. More, Father. More. If you would, please, more. Thank you that love is resurrecting dreams. Love is releasing life into natural bodies to give energy and strength. Love is releasing healing from pain and symptoms of sickness. We thank you that love, love is the source of everything that we need. Everything that we need. Everything that we need. It's in you. It's in love. We embrace it all. We embrace it all. We embrace it all. Yes. Thank you, Father, for taking it deeper. Thank you for people that are allowing love to go deeper than they ever have. Thank you. Thank you that love is resurrecting parts of our heart that were closed off or cold or numb because of life, situations and circumstances and people hurting us. Thank you that love is... 
Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.us.